The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Let's say good morning to our neighbors to the left and to the right. Today, we are looking at courage to be thankful. Courage to be thankful. Philippians chapter 3. The word of God says in Philippians chapter 3 from verse 1. Whatever happens, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I mean, the word of God sometimes, I look at it and I'm like, the word of God is so ageless, so timeless, so accurate from generation to generation. God knows that the challenges are rife and we will face them even in our own time. And he's saying whatever happens, regardless of what the economic situation is, whatever happens, regardless of what the global situation is, whatever happens, my brother and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Listen, that takes a lot of courage. Courage to be thankful. Courage to rejoice. Courage to stay joyful. Whatever happens. And, and Paul was saying here that I never get tired of telling you these things. In other words, Paul was saying, I keep encouraging you to be thankful, to be joyful, to be grateful. And sometimes, you know, Paul probably was feeling the way some uh, of us, our pastors, feel sometimes that, um, okay, I, I hope I'm not sounding like a broken record. <laughs> and Paul was saying that I am not, it is to me, the KJV says, to me it is not grievous. It is not grievous for me to tell you these things over and over again. It says, but for you, it is safe. I do it to safeguard your faith. You need to hear over and over and over that you should be joyful. You should be thankful because it will safeguard your faith. We should hear certain truths of the word of God consistently, repeatedly. And I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your, your faith. Particularly at this time of the year, in fact, research shows that the most stressful time of the year is towards middle end of November and the end of the year. So from November to the end of December is the most stressful time of the year. And we all many times are under a lot of pressure. We are under a lot of pressure. But the word of God says to us in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be staying a little bit in Philippians today. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 4, it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. 
always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. I say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. So you're, you probably are saying, Pastor, how can I be full of joy when the economy is not good? When the economy is so bad, how can I be full of joy at tough times? How can I be full of joy? The word of God is saying, be full of joy. Pastor, is it even possible to always be joyful no matter what the circumstance is? Is it all? Is it even practical? God is saying to you this morning, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is practical. Yes, it is possible. And we're going to see from the word of God that it takes courage, however, to be thankful in tough times. You know, uh, it's easier said than done, but it is possible to be done. I pray for you in the name of Jesus that God will give you that courage. God will give you that insight to be thankful regardless of the situation that you are facing. That God will empower you to be thankful regardless of the situation in the name of Jesus. Yesterday at the Thanksgiving communion and prayer uh, Saturday service, we, 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 we had communion, we had Holy Communion, and we explained that this month is our month of thanksgiving. It's a month of thanksgiving. If you want to call it a month of something, it's a month where we just say thank you to God. Thank Him for all the months that have passed and thank Him for the month that is ahead of us. Thank Him for all that He will yet do. And communion, which we are going to have again today after service, we will have communion after the word, we will have communion. The word, the Greek word is Eucharistos. Eucharistos, or from there they get, they call it Eucharist. That is, when you hear Eucharist, they're talking about Holy Communion. And that word Eucharistos means, I receive with thanksgiving. When Jesus instituted the communion, the Bible says he looked up and gave thanks. And he said, Father, I thank you. And he broke the bread and said, this is my body. This Eucharistos means this I receive with thanksgiving. When we take communion, we receive what he has done for us. How? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Philippians 4 from verse 4, it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him. Thank Him for all He has done. Since then, you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Everybody say, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right 
and pure and lovely and admirable. Think. Everybody say, think. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So we see Paul telling us the practical steps we can take to always be thankful. The practical steps you can take to find courage for gratitude. The step, first step that we see in this passage of scripture is worry about nothing. The second step is pray about everything. The third step is thank God in all things. And the fourth step is think about the right things. You're like, Pastor, this sounds familiar. Absolutely. That's why the word of God says, for me to say these things to you again, it is not grievous. I need to say it again and again and again until worry is banished from your life. Until your life is filled with praise. Until your life is filled with joy. And for you, it safeguards your faith. It safeguards your faith. Courage to be thankful. Number one, worry about nothing. You know, when you say worry about nothing, you're like, Pastor, I should worry about nothing? Yes, worry about nothing. Verse 6, there it says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be alarmed about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. There are things in life that will come to give you anxiety. That will come to make you alarmed. God is saying, live an anxiety-free life. Pastor, is it possible? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. In God, it is possible. It is possible to live an anxiety-free life, to be free of anxiety, to be unalarmed about anything. Things are going to happen, but God wants you to be unalarmed. Be unalarmed. Don't panic. But sometimes it's challenging because many of us, we wake up to an alarm clock or an alarm from our phone. We wake up panicking. We don't wake up to a comfort clock. We start our days waking up many times to an alarm clock. And the reason it's called an alarm clock, clock is that his job is to make sure that you are alarmed. It's to make sure that you wake up with panic. But we need to decongest our lives. If you are one, people have taken several steps, have re re replaced, like I said, alarming tunes with comforting tunes. That may work. But for someone like us, if you put a comforting tune, you know, we just change, change gear. If you, if you, let's say, if you, if instead of it to be these, I mean, scary alarms, you know, that wake you up in, in, in such a huge panic, it's, if it is a, a, a comforting tune, 
uh, and he says, Father in heaven. That's the song that is your alarm clock. I will love you. We lift your name in all the earth. In fact, I've just been worshiping. I'll be sleeping <laughs> in your kingdom. That will not wake anybody up. But God is saying to you and I, the amplified version, do not fret or have anxiety. Don't fret or have anxiety. Now, when Paul was writing this particular letter to the Philippians church, guess what? Paul was not sitting on a boat or in a cruise or having dinner with his family, enjoying maybe his balcony or in front of a swimming pool. Paul was in prison, was in a Roman prison. He was in a dungeon. In fact, the prison he was in was a dungeon. Murky, slimy dungeon. Chained. And he wrote, Be anxious for nothing. Oof. That itself speaks volumes. Paul was in dungeon. If, 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 if many people were to write letters, if they're in that situation, they would say, Raise a prayer team for me. That's what they're going to write. Philippians Church, don't forget your apostle here. <laughs> Send emissaries. But Paul say, be anxious for nothing. It was in the prison, it was in the dungeon, it was in chains, and it would say, be anxious for nothing. Nothing is worth your anxiety. That's what God is saying. You are too precious. Your mind, the peace of your mind is too precious for it to be lost to anything. Nothing is worth it. You know, the researchers tell us that 40% of what we worry about never happened. 40%. I mean, it's just unnecessary torture. 30%, I mean, this is just ridiculous, of what we worry about concerns the past. So between what never happens and the things that have happened in the past, it constitutes 70% of all our worries. Wow. So 70% of the things you worry about, you have no business worrying about. 70%. Now, imagine your life is, f is free of 70%, just 70% of all your worries. How will your life be? How will your life be? The peace you will have. You will stop taking... Many people will be off medication. Many people will be off medication. Then guess what? 12% of what we worry about and needless health concerns, then guess what? 10% are categorized as insignificant or petty issues. Petty issues. So 92% of your worries are baseless. Completely baseless. 92%. Only 8% only 8% are legitimate concerns. Now, pause and think about it. Only 8% of 
of your all your worries are legitimate concerns. Eight percent. Matthew six thirty four says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. In other words, this eight percent, the legitimate worry that we have, God says this is how to tackle it. Don't worry about it. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So you can learn how not to worry and that's what God is teaching us here. You can learn how not to worry because worry is a learned behavior. Worry is a learned behavior and we try to recruit warriors in our lives. What God is saying to you today, don't worry about tomorrow. Because today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. There's no need to preoccupy your life with worry. So what's the key here? The key is live one day at a time. And whenever God says to us not to do something, God, if you check, God would usually say, when he says, don't do this, God will usually say, do this instead. So when he says, don't worry about anything, worry about nothing, guess what he's saying? Number two, pray about everything. So there's no vacuum. There's no, okay, I'm not worrying. So what should I be doing? Pray. People say, oh, pastor, I really don't have time to pray that much. The question is, do you have time to worry? Do you have time to worry? I'm not even saying, don't even carve out any special prayer time. Just substitute your worry time to prayer time. You'll see how many hours you pray in a day. Every time you want to worry, begin to speak in tongues. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, every time you want to worry, begin to worship. Every time you want to worry, begin to pray. And you will see how much your prayer life actually improves. Just pray. Use the time you use for worry to pray. And you will discover that if you prayed as much as you worried, you will have a whole lot less to worry about. You are worried about your children. Instead of the time you want to use to worry, use it to pray. Use it to pray. You are worried about your finances. Instead of you just sit down and worry helplessly, use the time to pray. 6B, in everything, but in everything, by prayer, it was a prayer, by prayer and petition, it was a petition, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Oof. By prayer and petition, prayer and petition. What does petition mean? A petition is a specific detailed, direct request. When a lawyer petitions a court, or a judge, or a court, or however it is, the petition is very detailed. You, you cannot say, I just petition this court to do good. You say, what does that mean? I petitioned the court, my lord, to just do good, good on this matter. <laughs> so, well, you petition. You need this. You demand this. You demand that. God wants us to be specific. God wants us to pray about the details. God wants us to pray. 
God is interested in every detail of your life. The Philip's translation says that when you pray, tell God every detail of your need. Every detail. Say, Pastor, are you sure God is interested? Yes, he is. He is. Every detail. Every detail. Every detail. Every detail. First Peter 5, 7. I mean, this is so beautiful. So, so, so beautiful. First Peter 5, 7 says, Unload all your worries on him. Unload all your worries on him since is looking after you. Unload all your worries on him since he's looking after you. You need to unload all your worries on him. You know, I've had people, well, many people will say, oh, pastor, how do you handle stress? How did you handle, you went through a lot. How did you handle the stress? How come you didn't break down? How did you handle the stress? It's simple. I unload it to God. I leave it there. I just turn them over to the Lord and I just abandon them there. And I go to um, play FIFA. <laughs> or I go to play golf. Or I go to read a, read a book. Or I go for a walk. Or I go to jog. I don't carry the problem. Once you take it to the Lord, leave it there. Leave it there. Take your troubles to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust him with your doubts, he will surely bring you out. Take your troubles to the Lord and leave it there. We need to learn the art of leaving it there. Just Leave it there. Leave it there. If you carry the load to the Lord and you leave it there, you shouldn't leave God's presence. Sometimes we leave God's presence. I, for, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot to carry my stuff. No, it's not your stuff anymore. Leave it there. You've prayed about it. Leave it there. You've taken it to the Lord. Leave it there. Leave it there. First Peter 5, 7 says you can throw, this is Philip's translation, you can throw the whole weight of your anxiety upon him. Throw it upon him. I have come, take, take man, take this load off me. For you are, this is so beautiful, for you are his personal concern. You are God's personal concern. It's personal concern. You know, I, I stumbled upon a study, I mean, I heard about a study, and guess what? The study shows that if you attend church every week, you will live on the average of 5.7 years longer than people who don't attend church every week. Ooh. <laughs> Can you imagine that? It's, it's, it's an extensive research done by insurance com com uh, companies, you know, um, insurance, life insurance and everything. So there's like people that go to church every week 
on the average, they live five times, 5.7 years longer than people who don't attend church every week. So, coming to church lengthens your life. The data tells us that. Interesting. Now, thinking about it, why would that be? It's because when people come to church, they unburden, they bring their burdens to God. They learn to sing the song, leave it there, leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. I mean, sometimes you come, go to church, you leave church, you are light. It's, God is taking your yoke, he's taking the burden away. You know, we learn to exchange our burden for his peace. We learn not to swallow our worries, but to throw our worries at him. Someone said that when you swallow your worries, your stomach keeps score. It does. James 4.2 tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. Ask God for peace. Ask him. Ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him. So, the key here is this. No problem is too big or too small to pray about. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Number three, thank God in all things. Thank God in all things. Again, studies show that the healthiest human emotion is gratitude, not love. Love is ranking up there as one of the healthiest human emotion. When you are loved and you give and receive love, is, is high up there. However, gratitude is higher. That is, the healthiest human emotion is gratitude, even higher than love. In fact, love cannot work with ingratitude. It can't. Studies have shown that gratitude actually increases your immunity. Gratitude increases your immunity, your ability to fight off diseases. Wow. In everything, verse 6b says, pray with thanksgiving. People who are grateful are happy. People who are grateful are happy. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to find um, an ungrateful, happy person. Ungrateful people are not happy. Happy people are grateful people. And grateful people are happy people. The Good News translation puts it this way. It says, always asking him with a thankful heart. You can only always ask him with a thankful heart because you can only get access to his presence with thanksgiving. We are in the 11th month. 10 months gone. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. One by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. First Thessalonians 5.18, 1 
First Thessalonians 5.18 says to us, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in some circumstances. Nope. Give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances. In all circumstances. Like, Pastor, how can I be thankful in every situation? The key, if you want it, is this. You look not at what you have lost. You look at what you have left. Because your destiny is not tied to what you have lost. Your destiny is tied to what you have left. What do you have left in the house? Your destiny is tied to what you have left. What you have lost is not a part of your future. You lost it because it is not a part of your future. What you have left is what God will create your future from. And God is saying you need to be grateful. And for you to be grateful, stop counting what you have lost. Begin to count what you have left. Begin to see from what you have left what God will bring about. The great future God will bring into your life. Do I get an amen? amen? So, the way to express thanks is by giving. That's why it's called thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The most giving people are usually the most thankful people. And the most thankful people are the most joyful people. So the key here is this. There's always something to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for. And the more thankful you are, the more blessed you become. The more joyful you become. So take your eyes off the things that are not working. Keep your eyes on the things that are working. Keep your eyes on the blessings that are in your life and God will fill your life even with much more than you can ever think or imagine in the mighty name of Jesus. So the first is this. Worry about nothing. The second is pray about everything. The third is thank God in all things. And the fourth is think about the right things. Think about the right things. Says, finally, brother, <laughs> whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, this is so powerful because if we do this, our lives will be so peaceful. Our life will be so blessed. Our lives will be, will be depression will be far away from you. Anxiety will be far away from you. So what the word of God is saying to you and I is this. It is the way you think that determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. The way you feel determines the way you act. 
emotional people that need to get a grip of their lives, if they get a grip of this scripture, boom, solve that problem. Why? Because people that are overtly emotional, their feelings is their reality. I mean, that's why some men struggle to understand, you know, their wives because a lot of women operate from their feelings. Their feelings is their reality, regardless of what the facts on ground says. You know, their feelings. So this is how I feel. So I feel you don't love me. I mean, but hey, I love you. These are the facts. I love you, but this is what I feel. And if it is not tackled, that feeling becomes reality because it is what will lead to the actions, the way we think. So we need to go back to the way we think. The way we think determines the way we feel. And the way we feel will determine the way we act. So if somebody is acting poorly, making poor judgments and poor decisions, it is based on how they feel. And how you feel is based on how you think. It starts with a thought. And, the, and Paul is saying that your thought, pass it through this test. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Most of these jaga jaga thoughts, we don't even feelings that leads to these bad decisions, we not even pass this for test. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Then add the fifth one. Is it lovely? Then is it admirable? Then is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? You will discover that all the jaga jaga emotions that come from jaga jaga thoughts will not pass these tests. So when we are able to disqualify those thoughts at the thought level, it cannot filter and become an emotion and that determines the way we act. That messes up a lot of people's lives and relationships. Praise the name of the Lord. The JB version says, fill your mind with those things. Not only should it be a test that determines what comes into your mind, be deliberate to fill your mind with the things that are true, the things that are noble, the things that are right, the things that are lovely, the things that are admirable, the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. You know, when we fill our minds with Nollywood or Hollywood or Bollywood, we act based on the advice given by Ayama Tanga or whatever. We, we act based on, so we are people that these real life situations, you know, as a pastor, I say a lot of things from where, where, I, where, I, where I stand. People faced with situations. They are not even going by what the word of God would say. They are like, ah, I've seen this before in this movie. Ah, this is what happened. Ah, I have to protect myself. I have to. Meanwhile, the things you are reacting to is going to create confusion in your life. Instead of you to react to it based on what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy, 
You, you, those are the things that should fill your mind. But if you don't fill your mind with those things, and you fill your mind with Netflix, you fill your mind with Instagram Reels, you fill your mind with other people's, you know, limelights, <laughs> fake lives, you will find that you will try to, to, to build a fake, I mean, you won't, you won't know it's a fake life, but it's gonna be fake life, because you will try and, and, and build your life to look glam. Meanwhile, if you build your life on what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, how glamorous would your life be? Completely glamorous. So the root cause of stress in your life is the way you have chosen to think, is the way I choose to think. So two people can be in the same situation. Two people can go through the same thing and one person comes out stronger and better. The other person comes out destroyed and shattered. It is now obvious that it is not what they went through that is the problem. Because both of them went through the same thing. It is how they chose to think about what they were going through. So the problem is not the problem. Your problem is not your problem. Your problem, your real problem is how you are choosing to think about your problem. That's the real problem. The problem is not the problem. Now, if you understand that, the situation, the problem is not the problem. The problem is how you have chosen to think about the problem. That is the problem. So you need to change how you think about the problem by the word of God. And you will see how peaceful your life will be. Because as a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23, 7 says, so is he. So is he. So here's the result in verse 7. The result is this. If you do this, the word of God says, you will experience God's peace. Hallelujah. Which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you will experience God's peace. God's peace will fill your heart in the mighty name of Jesus. It says, His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet. Oof. And at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. His peace will keep your heart and thoughts quiet. Your heart and thoughts will not be in panic mode. You know, people, <laughs> people are going through a lot. Mental health is deteriorating. Why? Because there's a lot of pressure. People are anxious. Anxiety everywhere. And it says that his peace will keep your heart. It's amazing the things that people try to find peace in this world. People try, people, people try 
Different things. The only lasting peace is in God. It's in God. And God's peace is a gift. It's a gift to you. It can't be explained. It is unexplainable. God's peace transcends human understanding. It can't be duplicated. You cannot copy it. It can't be fabricated. It's a gift. So you're like, okay, Pastor, fine. How do I get it? I'm glad you asked. It's also in that passage of scripture. It says, His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. That's it. Boom. As you trust, it's a relationship. It's a trust relationship. As you trust in Christ Jesus. Where's your trust, my sister? Where's your trust? Where's your trust, my brother? Where's your trust? Do you have a thriving walk with Jesus? I want to pray with you. Say, Pastor, I don't even have a walk with him. I want to start a walk with Jesus. I want to, I want, I want to have a trusting walk trusting relationship with Jesus. Can you pray with me? Can Yes, we want to pray with you. Wherever you are, you may be in the auditorium, you may be online, you're like, Pastor, that is me, pray with me. Wherever you are, pull up your hand now, over your head. Put it up, put it up, put it up. Even if you're online, if you're in the auditorium, I'm going to turn it over to the RP. He's going to pray with us, we're going to have communion, and we'll be done.